Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. How often do you put thought into the efficiency of your gut and your digestion? Understanding human digestion can be a super helpful uh, piece of knowledge to avoid habits that can hinder and disrupt our digestion. After all, if we're trying to eat healthy, uh, you're probably spending a good amount of money on your food because food prices are at all-time highs right now. And I know doing my taxes this weekend um, really, really showed the price of good food. So I, it got me thinking about digestion because I want to absorb and assimilate every bit of this expensive food that I'm buying. So I wanted to talk about digestion and specifically how digestion works and how gut dysfunction can absolutely wreck your health and fitness goals. So this is Digestion 101. We're going to start literally from the mouth and go down each section of digestion. And, you know, basically the, the moral of the story is we're going to probably get two parts out of this. This is an extensive topic that I just don't think I can fit into like 20 to 25 minutes. So it'll probably be a part one and a part two. So let's dive right into this. Improper digestion leads to malnutrition. You're not getting the nutrients you need. Uh, and improper digestion also leads to inflammation and inflammation, I believe, is the root cause behind almost every disease. Um, you know, the, the catalyst of almost every major disease is inflammation. So it causes inflammation. So um, from mouth to anus, let's go all the way through the digestive process and let's touch on kind of the best and worst practices along the way. Uh, I think this can be really beneficial for everyone to understand. So right off the bat, we put food into our mouth, hopefully. <laughs> and this food is chewed. And you know, honestly, chewing is probably the easiest lever to pull when it comes to digestion. And I think us guys are most guilty of not chewing enough. I feel like women don't have a problem near as much as guys with this, but literally just chewing your food is the first process when it comes to digesting it. And the more we break it down, the easier it is for our digestive system to do the work once we swallow it. So uh, really the only process that takes place in the mouth besides chewing is what's called phylin. That's the enzyme that um, the mouth releases to start breaking down starches. So it doesn't have anything to do with protein or fats, but we do have an enzyme that starts to break down starches in our mouth. Now, second, we move down, the food moves down to the stomach. And the stomach is where the majority of our protein digestion happens. And this is due to hydrochloric acid and pepsin. Interesting, hydrochloric acid is what creates a super acidic environment uh, in the stomach. Now, that's to break down the proteins uh, that we're taking in. So to break down proteins, it takes hydrochloric acid and pepsin. And pepsin is interesting because pepsin takes the protein molecules, assimilates them down into peptides. That's, where, that's what pepsin does. 
these peptides, um, you know, you're going to hear a lot about peptides in the next few years when it comes to the nutrition and fitness industry, because we're already hearing about them a lot as in the peps, the pep, pepsin, the peptide uh, GLP-1, which is Munjara, Ozempic, Wegovi, uh, that is a peptide. And you guys have heard me talk a lot about this if you've listened to the show. Uh, this peptide is produced naturally just by eating protein and fiber. And pepsin is what breaks down that amino acid into a peptide. So what? here's a question for you. If our stomach is really, really acidic, which it is, how does it not digest itself? Well, that is because there's a mucosal lining in the stomach and that mucosal lining actually inhibits the acid from actually consuming the stomach lining because that's how acidic the environment is. Interestingly enough, the mucosal layer, uh, it can be downregulated or inhibited by stress. And so you can degrade your mucosal lining. And what does this cause? Well, we know stress causes ulcers. Well, now we know why. Because the more stressed out you are, the less production of mucus you have in the stomach. And then the stomach acid starts to actually break down uh, and cause sores inside the stomach. And that's what an ulcer is. So um, let's talk about antacids for a second, because hydrochloric acid is so important to break down our proteins. And if you're constantly taking uh, an antacid because you have acid reflux, obviously, then you're inhibiting the production of the, the amount of acid you need to break down your proteins into amino acids and into peptides. So um, we have to talk about why is acid coming up back through the esophagus? Well, there's what's called uh, the esophageal sphincter. And these are basically two gates. Um, and that gate doesn't allow acid to come up the esophagus uh, into the throat. And this can be also uh, disrupted by stress because the more stressed we are, the more that that flap doesn't relax into place. And if it stays open, because you have to think of it like this, rest and digest is means that we're not stressed out or in a rest and digest state. Fight or flight means that digestion is halted and we are in a flight or flight state. So if that is if that if we're stuck in this fight or flight mode, that esophageal sphincter is not going to relax into place and close off the stomach from the esophagus. So that's problem number one is we have to address the stress. And I also feel like magnesium is a, a really good um, mineral to add to someone who has this problem as well um, because it relaxes muscular uh, systems. It also relaxes blood vessels and that can relax that gate back into its position to where we don't have acid reflux. Um, and so we, if you're taking antacids for a long period of time, I can almost guarantee you that you have protein malabsorption and that you may also have a B12 deficiency. And uh, I do not advocate uh, antacids like Zantac and these different ones, even in the over-the-counter over ones, long-term. And believe it or not, neither do the companies that sell them. Uh, if you read the fine print in their materials, uh, they'll say that they're not to be used long-term only for four to six week periods, but people have known them for years. So now any digestive problems occurring within one hour of eating food is always a stomach problem. Okay. 
Uh, it usually takes about an hour to an hour and a half for the contents that are in the stomach to start really getting broke down by the acid and the pepsin that's in the environment. And so anything like belching, acid reflux, gas bloating, anything that occurs in the first hour of eating food, normally that's a hydrochloric acid pepsin problem. Okay. Um, so we can look at what the culprit is. Here's another interesting thing that I want to touch on with hydrochloric acid and that, that gate up in the esophagus, that esophageal sphincter. If, if your stomach acid production is not high enough, you, that won't trigger the closing of that gate. So you may think, well, I already have too much acid because that's why I'm having acid reflux. No, that's not always this, the case. In fact, more oftentimes than not, people have low stomach acid, but yet uh, that's what's, it's not triggering that esophageal sphincter to shut. And therefore the, uh, what acid they do have is traveling into the esophagus. So oftentimes uh, we can supplement with stomach acid. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. And that will actually improve acid reflux, believe it or not. That combined with eliminating stress and, and things like that. Now, um, I don't miss anything. So the, the stomach actually, its end goal is to produ produce what's called chyme, uh, C-H-Y-M-E. And chyme is this mixture of all broken down. And when it's in the right state, uh, the um, pyloric sphincter, this is the other gate on the other side, it lets the contents out of the stomach into the duodenum. Okay, so we have basically two gates. We have an upper gate and a lower gate, and that traps everything into the stomach, okay? So when this chyme is, is right, when it's broken down enough, then it releases it into the duodenum through the bottom gate of the stomach. Now, let's talk about snacking for a second. Um, snacking in between meals, it basically starts that process all over again. So your food may be broken down. The acid has done its job it's ready to move on. And now you throw in a bagel or a donut or whatever that's in the break room an hour and a half, two hours after you've eaten something. And that basically says, hold up, we can't let this food down through the bottom gate. We've got to start this process all over again until it's broken down into the state it needs to be in. And that's smart. That's beautiful biology from our body because it's not going to let something that's not broken down yet go before the process um, can allow it to, because that's just going to really cause damage further down. And we'll talk about why as we go forward. But uh, this this whole process is a beautiful symphony that really makes sure our, our food is broken down step by step as it goes through digestion. Now, next, let's touch on the duodenum. The duodenum is the very, very beginning of the small intestine. So that food come down through the mouth. We've chewed it up nice. It's swallowed. And now it's down into the stomach. It sits there. It's broken down by those acids. Uh, it's really made this nice chyme. And now it's going to get distributed into the duodenum. And now the duodenum is where a, a couple interesting processes happen. Number one, bicarbonate is released to uh, alkalize that acidity. So we, we don't want this high acid glob of food going into our small intestine because why? It will kill our good bacteria. So that bicarbonate is released to alkalize the food. And then two other things are released. And primarily these are the key components, but it's bile and pancreatic enzyme. Bile and pancreatic enzyme. Now let's first start with bile. 
bile is made from the liver from basically it's like the liver taking out the trash. It, um, it, the liver is constantly filtering our blood. It's constantly, um, doing, it's regulating our blood sugar. It's, it's like doing all this good, good work. Right. And it takes out the trash by filtering the blood, all the byproducts it distributes into the gallbladder and that's bile. Okay. So that's like the liver filtering and picture a dirty filter and it wringing out all the contents into the gallbladder that is bile. So that the liver has to take out the trash, so to speak. So it's going to distribute the bile into the small intestine. Now what's beautiful about this is the small intestine has uh, this chyme in it. And in that chyme is fatty acids. And what breaks down fatty acids, what emulsifies fat, think of like washing a greasy pan and then you put that Dawn dish soap on there and it, it breaks it up and, and like actually gets the pan clean. That's what bile does to the food that we consume. All those fatty acids that are in there, it actually, the bile is released. It actually is called cholecystokinine. It, it senses that in the duodenum. And when it senses it, the gallbladder contracts and push bile into the duodenum. Now, I know this is like a really advanced um, biology or physiolo physiology class at this point, but um, why is this important to understand? Well, there's things that can clog up our gallbladder and our bile function. And if you don't have proper bile function, go talk to somebody who's had their gallbladder taking out. Um, it's not a good process. And almost all of them will tell you about their digestive distress before they have their gallbladder removed. And that's because, you know, all the signs were there, man, my digestion is terrible. And then all of a sudden you have a gallbladder attack and you have to go have that removed. Well, we can put a stop to that long before it happens. And we're going to talk about some of the things why, you know, removing sugar, removing alcohol, removing inflammatory processed foods. These are all the things that sludge up and can, you know, basically um, they sludge up and congest the gallbladder. Okay. So now let's, let's, let's move over and talk about the pancreatic enzyme. The pancreatic enzyme, the same type of thing in the duodenum, the pancreas releases pancreatic enzyme. Um, it's got lipase, which it breaks down lipids. It's also got, uh, it finishes the digestion of our starches. Proteins already broke down by the hydrochloric acid in our stomach. And pancreatic enzyme is also responsible for the beginning stages of the pancreas um, releasing insulin, which manages our blood sugar and also you know, gives us uh, the use out of our amino acids being distributed especially in the in form of like protein growth and uh, muscle synthesis, muscle growth, things like that. So now uh, we've talked about bile, we've talked about this pancreatic enzyme, and we've talked about hydrochloric acid. These are the three most important key elements to our digestion. And these things have to function well, all three, or our digestion is going to be off. Um, so oftentimes when I'm working with a client and they have poor digestion and they're struggling with acid reflux, gas bloating, constipation, diarrhea, greasy stools, um, any of those kind of digestion woes, immediately I, I usually will put them on a thorn supplement called advanced digestive enzymes. And advanced digestive enzymes combines hydrochloric acid, pancreatin, bile, and pepsin all together. 
And while someone's stomach or while someone's uh, digestive uh, strength is weak, then we can supplement with um, this, this supplement from Thorn, and it will really give a lot of relief from those symptoms of like the gas and bloating and acid reflux and things like that. And so that's the point is we can, we can supplement until we start flipping over the rocks and f- figure out what's the real problem. Like what's the root cause behind the problems that they're experiencing? Is it in the first hour of digestion? Cause then we know it's the stomach. Is it an in, you know, hours two through four? Cause then we know it's the small intestine. Or is it usually at the end of the night or five hours later? We know that's usually in the colon, things like that. So you can get 25% off uh, the entire Thorn store, not just off this one product, but all Thorn supplements by using my client invite list. All you have to do is email muscles and veggies, all one word, at Gmail. Uh, The link is in the description as well, so you can just click on that. Send me an email, say, hey, I want to join the client invite list. And I'll send you over the invite and then pick yourself up some of these uh, advanced digestive enzymes. I use them when I'm really stressed and I know that like, man, I'm really stressed right now. I know my my digestive juices aren't great. That's whenever I'll use this supplement to kind of help digestion during that period of time until I calm myself down and kind of get back into a rest and digest state. But if you're doing a lot of the right things, you shouldn't need to supplement anything. And if you're doing a lot of the, you know, these, these core principles that we talk about on this podcast, you're not going to need to like rely on these supplements as a crutch. The main thing is we have to control the blood sugar and we have to keep the pancreas healthy. And if you think, let's go back to the pancreas for a second. If you think about uh, what we know, what congests the gallbladder, you know, fatty, greasy, processed foods, like fast foods, gas station food. It's like the worst stuff you can have for your gallbladder and your liver. Okay. So staying away from that stuff, um, can be a huge benefit to keeping your gallbladder nice and healthy that included with healthy fats, like olive oil, coconut oil, butter, um, you know, nuts and seeds, things like that can be really beneficial for the gallbladder. But, but what keeps the, the pancreas really healthy? Um, because you'll die faster without a pancreas than almost any other organ in the body besides our heart, our liver, our lungs, things like that. Um, but you can live without, you know, one, you can live with one kidney, you can live with half of your liver. Um, you can live without a gallbladder, but you cannot live without a pancreas. Um, it's, it's vital. So, uh, we have to control the blood sugar. And we have to keep our pancreas and our liver from becoming fat. Have you heard of the term fatty liver or fatty pancreas or visceral fat? That's what visceral fat is. It accumulates around our organs and it starts to to really like put a blanket over those organs and then they stop functioning correctly. So one of the, the two best things we can do to keep your pancreas really, really happy is obviously stay away from sugar um, don't overdo alcohol. And then the fatty processed foods that sludge up our gallbladder are also the same fatty foods that will give us fatty liver and fatty pancreas. So we want to stay away from those, but the two best things you can do is intermittent fasting on a regular basis. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the show, we talked about the 12, three rule. So fasting at least 12 hours a day and stop eating at least three hours before bed. 
Um, if you do that and nothing else, that would help keep your visceral fat on the lower side of things. And we measure visceral fat in the gym on the in-body scan. And it's staggering to me um, the numbers that we get from people that come on the streets. Um, to give you an example, it gives you a score from zero to 20. And like a healthy score is between three and six. You know, that's a that's a pretty good score. Uh, I'm really trying hard to keep mine under, you know, under five. Last check, it was three. Uh, but I've seen people at 20. I've seen people way up there at 18. And it's scary because that is visceral fat is the most deadly um, toxic fat. And it shuts down organs. It causes heart disease. It causes stroke, diabetes, you name it. Um, so it's, it's a serious thing. And the two best things we can do again, intermittent fasting. The second thing is blood sugar control. So staying away from again, sugar, uh, don't overdo alcohol and then process fatty foods. We're already at 21 minutes, uh, and we haven't even touched on the small intestine or the colon. So I think this is a really good start to this episode. This is part one. Uh, again, I think the, the takeaways from this first part one is we have to make sure that uh, this HCL, so hydrochloric acid in our stomach, the pancreatic, pancreatic enzyme and the, the bile from the gallbladder, we have to make sure these things are flowing and functioning. And again, isn't it interesting how almost every show we end up talking about stress somewhere because stress inhibits our digestion. And we have to get into rest and digest. We have to get out of fight or flight. And the more we do, the more our digestive juices really get fired up and it helps us break down our food. So uh, this is why every common practice you know, through the world takes a moment to, to show gratitude before their food, whether it's in a prayer or whatever. Uh, this is why most cultures also... Uh, they serve a salad with bitter greens or some sort of uh, tart dressing on the salad. Uh, these things stimulate digestive juices. Um, almost every culture besides the Western American culture has some sort of digestive juice inhibitor um, or producer, I should say, at the beginning of the meal. Uh, our culture doesn't. We just start wolfing down cheeseburgers and French fries like, you know, it's nobody's business. So at the end of the day, uh, those are our takeaways with the stomach and the duodenum, the beginning of the small intestine. Next week, we're going to talk about the small intestine and the colon. We're going to talk about gut bacteria. We're going to talk about inflammatory conditions and autoimmune conditions like Crohn's, colitis. Um, we're going to talk about IBS. We're going to talk about all that next week. So stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to the show if you're not already subscribed. So you see that I put these out every single week for free. And you can support the show uh, and treat this like your own weekly coaching session with a coach. Um, I've already gotten good feedback. People are like, I tune in every week because it like resets my mind and gets me focused for the week ahead and makes me realize what's important when it comes to my health and taking care of it, investing in that for the future. Um, so you can do all that by subscribing, share with your friends. Also, do me a favor. In the link of every single show, I leave a a Google review link. You can hit that. Leave me a Google review for Muscles and Veggies Fitness. Tell me what you think about the podcast. That helps people find my personal training services here in Arkansas. But I'm already 24 minutes in, folks. I will see you next week on the Muscles and Veggies Fitness podcast.